Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Thanks, everybody who's been listening to all of the episodes. Thanks to everybody who's been listening to all of the episodes of this podcast lately. I was able to generate enough ad money to buy myself a fancy little 3D printer. So I've been getting into that stuff. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the show, I was able to do something cool because of it, so, thank you guys a ton, um, that said, what I want to talk about this episode is something I noticed when I, you know, when I was on Netflix, I was scrolling through stuff, looking for something to watch, and I came across the, um, I don't think it's the latest iteration of it, but I, it, it came out, it might be actually, it came out last season. And I came across Zoe's Wild Blast. And if you remember on this very, on this very podcast, I've covered Zoe's before. And Zoe's is this, has this huge range to it. Even at the time I first encountered it was, which was on, um, Toonami, and I saw, I saw, um, Zoids New Century Zero, which is the Zoids that lots of people in America remember of Liger, um, with, of, with, lot, with the main character, Bitcloud, finds, um, a white light you know, partners up with the White Liger and um win the Zoid Championship. And so I I've always loved Zoids. I think it's a great variant on the kind of on the house that Gundam built in that it is a giant robot show that is inspired by and made for the advert the advertising of a model kit line <laughs> like and from what i understand at all points if you've been if you've been watching Zoid since its inception you've always been able to turn around go to a toy store and then buy a Zoid i built a Zoid once i forget which one i built but um i did build it well i just i built it <laughs> but so I just turned it on, and I'm like, oh, this is new, let me try this. And and also, it is the Zoids, the like latest Zoids video game is finally getting released in America. Um, it's been, I played it, it's actually pretty fun, I played the demo of it in Japanese. But, about ten minutes into it, I... By this realization of it, this isn't for me. And I don't mean it's not for me as in it's not it's not something I could like. I mean it's not it's not made for somebody my age, if that makes any sense. 
I don't, I, but I also don't mean it's not made for somebody my age the way that, um, the way that, in the way that I'm too old, it's, um, or in the way that, uh, the first season of Chaotic Century, it skews way younger, and then the second skews way younger, and it, like, Chaotic Century does Chaotic Century, which is the first series for Zoids. It's about, I think it's like two or three seasons. But what it does is it starts with a character who's very young and it follows them through. Like when you first encounter Van, Vaughn from um, Chaotic Century, he's like nine. He's like Ash Ketchum age in the first Pokemon. But what they do in that show is they all but immediately introduce all these adult characters who are much less, well, much, much less childlike. And so you have, you have as an older viewer, these adult characters to um, relate to, even when Vaughn is very young. And then when... And then there's a time skip that happens in that show between the first and second season. And then Vaughn's then Vaughn's significantly older. He is handled like an adult character. And it's a different kind of story. It's actually pretty interesting as a narrative thing. And then there's Vo- Zoe's New Century Zero. And I'll get to why I'm taking you through a timeline of this in a second. And Zoe's New Century Zero is not for not necessarily for adults explicitly, it's not anything like that. Um, but it's about adult characters. It's about like characters in their twenties. Um Tauros, um the the like professor character in that is in is probably like in his mid for it's probably like in his mid forties. There's a um professor. There's a kind of a professor esque character in every Zoids um series. The professor in um what's it called in. Chaotic Century is, like, in his 70s. And it's this kind of, like, great demonstration of an older character in anime that they don't constantly shit on. <laughs> like, in, in Zoids, for, for as much anime-ness that is in New Century Zero, Zoids New Century Zero, there's no... Like, oh, this guy's over the age of 30, so he's ancient and he sucks. There's, like, this guy is 40 and he plays with toys, or this other guy who's, like, the same age as Tauros is, like, stuck in the past and, like, trying to get at, trying to go after Tauros because of an old. Because of an old rivalry he wants to settle because he can't get over himself. 
that kind of conversation about, like, these characters are probably older, but that's a much less stupid thing than, oh, you're over 30, so you are a dust person. But what occurred to me when I was watching um, Wild Blast is, like, this show just isn't, I have it. I have aged in a... I have grown up, and they have decided definitively not to take Zoids in a direction for the age group that who were primary watchers of that show, at least in America. It, not just in America, kind of anywhere, which is... If my guess is right, probably, like, the Gen X millennial cohort was the primary watcher of Zoids when Zoids was conceived. And this is actually definitely true of, um, this is true of a lot of anime, especially a lot of toy anime, is they're selling toys so but they're not, they don't have the longevity of Gundam to say, okay, we were pretty sure, and even Gundam did this, I'll get to what series they did it with in a minute. The longevity of Gundam allows it to create shows that are seemingly not that interested in the toy line anymore. What I mean is, like, you can go out and you can buy a Gundam unicorn model kit and build it. Um, you can go out and buy all these different complicated model kits. And these model kits are not can be built by children, but they are not necessarily designed with children in mind. They're designed with people in mind who are collect these kits, build them, and it's a whole hobby. I mean, um, you've heard... The first time Alan, if you remember him from past episodes, I've had him on to talk about stuff with. The first thing I had him on for was a Gundam thing because that's his jam. He loves Gundam shit. He, I've seen his collection of model kits. It's bananas. Um, It's less bananas now that he's moved, from what I understand, but it's mostly bananas. And he, so when a Gundam show comes out, it's, it, when a Gundam thing comes out, it's aiming itself at him. It's not aiming itself at, like, the little kid, at, like, little kids. And that's because Gundam has been around for so long that it can do that. But most, and it has, it has the brand recognition to be able to pull that off. Especially among older viewers. And when I say older viewers, I mean anybody over the age of, like, 10. So, but the... The... Thing about... A show like Zoids... Or a show like, um... And Pokemon has this issue to an extent. Um, although Sun and Moon... The, sun, the theories that went along with Sun and Moon, did some, uh, 
took some cues from American cartoons that is odd for the universe of the Pokemon, for the Pokemon TV universe. And Pokemon decided a long time ago to just be the thing it was and not jump from, like, like series to series to series, all with different main characters. Um, The only other example I can... The best other example that I can think of when I say I, I have aged out of a show's expectation of who will be watching the show, this... A, a theory, a show in a property is this show called Beyblades. And when I say Beyblades, a lot of people are probably like, Beyblades? Um, and it, like, it's a kid, the, like, ABC family, like, promo clip triggers in your head and you start to hear the theme song slightly skewed in the back in the back of your mind and you're like oh fuck Beyblades <laughs> and I don't know how many people followed Beyblade Beyblade's show anything after the first like the first um series in that property which was like Tyson um Kai all these different, and like the classic cast of Beyblades, but it got weird. <laughs> like they focused on all these other characters and they tried to tie in, tie it into the old world of Beyblades, but like it didn't really work. And it, it skewed from a, it skewed more and more to be about the toy line. And that's kind of how it, from what I understand, continued on. And it, it kept, like, it kept, it kept staying the same age. And I kept aging. And the, the original audience for it kept aging until it's like, there's not a huge point in watching Beyblades anymore. This is isn't like I, I feel like I can totally go back to and enjoy the original Beyblades show and thing, but once that cast is gone, uh, there's nothing there for me. There's no, there's no latching. There's no way to latch on to like the new cast of Beyblades kind of thing, and like I said, that's because these. Shows are infomercials for toy lines. In the same way that um, trading card shows are infomercials for the trading cards. Or the digital trading cards now. But the thing is that there's a way to write those shows. So there's something for everybody to enjoy. and And or they become this... They become something more than just a fun, than just look at these toys moving around. And up until Toys Wild, I think that 
Floyd's was probably the most successful at doing that. You know, they went from a kid grows up in a war story <laughs> to a like shonen action sports show basically in um New Century Zero with just the best fucking music in New Century Zero. I mean the best music. It was the most of night it was the most of times of nineties music. It was the best of times of nineties music. And like that that show I I've talked about this on my episode about Zoids, but I deeply love Zoids New Century Zero. <laughs> and because it's it, it's basically a giant fucking tournament arc with spin-off episodes. But it it does what it does really well. And it it has anime tropes in it, but it is confident enough in the structure it's using to like do its own thing and do it um and do it in its own way and in a really talented way. And not in a really talented way, in a way that plays to its strength. And the other thing is is when Zoe's New Century came out, it was pretty much the next series after Chaotic Century and it it used a lot of the same things from Chaotic Century that were used from um the, the it used a lot of the same recognizable voids and a little bit of the um and some of the plot points from the end of Chaotic Century play into New Century Zero in Zoids. But, and I had seen both of those shows. I saw them out of order. I saw New Century first, and then I saw um, Chaotic Century after that. By the time I saw Chaotic Century, it was like a, it was a early morning weekday cartoon if that makes any sense, like, super early morning, like, six o'clock in the fucking morning, I was watching Zoids. Um, but the thing about, what about Wild Blast is, it's using the Zoids, it's using the Zoids lore from my childhood to inform this world of um to inform the world of to inform its world but it's like it's, it's like stuff like the, the the shitty joke team from New Century Zero is the same team that in Wild Blast it's supposed to be the the badass rogues. And it's like... 
it's clearly supposed to be an Easter egg, but it's like an Easter egg that creates friction in generations. Like, the Gen Z kid is really into Zoe's wild blast, and you, you're like, oh, like, what's the name of the first team you encounter? They're like, the Zaber Fangs, and all you conjure up is like, oh, you mean those three pathetic assholes from. New Century Zero. But it... It it brought up this, like... It brought up this interesting thought in my head because... It, in the beginning, when Anna May was produced, it was not produced with an American audience in mind at all. And that made it, like, this window into another universe of, like, stuff. And then... And then anime started being produced with an eye to, like, other countries. And the earlier that you can find stuff that's very, like, focused on... Americans will watch this. You find stuff, like, um, that's very focused on... Other countries, like, um, the first place, this is a fun, weird little thing. The first place that, um, I believe Lupin Part 5, the first place that Lupin Part 5 was aired was in, um, within Italy. Because Lupin Part 5 takes place largely in Italy, and they, like, just, they pulled the, and it's a big, fandom for Lupin A all over the world but B in Italy and France specifically and I will tell you that like walking around in actually it I believe it premiered maybe not in Italy but in Spain but walking around in um no in Italy walking around in Italy I encountered, like, the equivalent of, like, corner stores that were, I think I encountered more than one, that were completely independently of anything else, just had giant paintings of Lupin characters on the doors, or, like, were Lupin-themed, and I'm like, huh, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a thing here, I forgot about that, neat. But it feels like to me that um, the popularity of anime have had the effect of it on has had the effect of on it of whereas Pokemon is how you do a you know tie in show for before there was a lot of international influence, before there were so many chips on the table of what could happen. Good for a show if they made it like a show that was just that was just a infomer- an infomercial for a toy line. And Zoid's New Century or Zoids has persisted 
into a world where they feel like, oh shit, our last group of faithfuls for buying these toys is gone. And to a large extent, I would imagine they're not wrong in this, because I bought a Zoid once and built it. And I think I bought a Trihorn and built it. And then I never, and then I kind of, now granted, model kits have never been my thing. I've built a couple, but I've never been super into them. Um, And then I just kind of didn't buy another Zoid. Like, it was not, like, I was not inspired by the shows or anything to build more than one. (laughs) And I... So I don't necessarily think they're wrong, but I think there was... There, and maybe Zoe's Wild West gets into this, but I think... I think that in the way that... Um, abandoning some of the structure, abandoning kind of whole cloth, the structure of the original Beyblade show, I think, hurt its chances with maybe a slightly older than normal audience. I think that Zoid's Wild Blast, I keep having to remember to say Blast, um, and Zoids had another thing before this called Zoids Fusers, which was a different thing about Zoids combining together, which I all, which I definitely didn't watch, and was kind was kind of the linchpin between the Zoids of old and the with the thing asked that came after Zoids of old and now. Um, I think that I think that a doing this well means that you can turn on a new series and it doesn't necessarily feel like, ah, I'm home, I'm back in Zoid. But it feels a way that Pokemon feels. It feels like it's made for anybody who wants to watch it. And, like... Due to the fact that Ash never ages, and that and that, it, Pokemon fixes this and handles this and fixes this in a bunch of ways. And then I'll talk about the oddity of Gundam in this regard. Pokemon at a Ash never ages. B Ash is the anchor character. Ash is always the Ash is with the exception of like the cool much more modern animations, much more modern storylines and experiments they go through with, like, Pokemon TV channel stuff, where they have, like, Pokemon Legends and, like, all this other stuff that they do on that. Um, Which is really where you find, like, the cool animations of Pokemon is on the Pokemon TV unique stuff. You can also find that stuff on YouTube. But what they do by having Ash as the main character all the time is they decouple it from the games where 
in your mind you are traveling, they A, decouple it from the game, but B, Ash becomes the stand-in character for anybody who has played the game to have a similar experience in that in everybody's canonical Pokemon game thing, you are going from region to region. You're going from, you know, um, what's the first region in Pokemon? Fuck. Um, you're going from, um, like, Talos to, um, Unova to Aloha to, um, the Gala region and to all the different, um, you're going, th- you're going through the process of being a like worldwide Pokemon master. And um, and by having Ash be the same, be the, by having Ash be the focus every single series, they replicate that, but for a, but in the form of a third person perspective. And, um, by removing, by making a main character different in every series, you have to do a lot more to make people who didn't grow up with that series, who who didn't, like, grow up playing the games or building the model kits or any of that stuff, feel at home, um... Gundam, with the exception of Gundam Build Fighter, does do this. And that's by their use of the of the Universal Century. So whenever you dip into a Gundam UC show, you are dipping into a section of a timeline. So even if you don't build the model kits, you can always know where you are in the timeline and the, the history... And it becomes this like, it becomes like a history buff show almost in a weird way, and that's how they handle like oh, this and they make it so like if you want to get into Gundam, there's a jumping on point, but it will, it'll take you a while to get to the modern stuff, and that became enough of a problem when they came up when they came up with Gundam. But also, if you want to get into Gundam, the jump you can jump on at any point, basically, and they'll there'll be stuff in there for you, but there'll also be stuff in there for like your your dad, <laughs> who watches Gundam also, and that became enough of an issue where they came up with things like gut like G Gundam, like Gundam Double O where those are non-UC, like, alternate universe versions of Gundam, but they also, they're so far in the timeline, because they started back in the 80s, actually back in, like, the 70s and 80s, um, that they can do cool shit in the modern version, like Iron-Blooded Orphans. And... They can tell such diverse stories that they can they can tune it to just because of their audience is so diverse they can tell 
a story about child soldiers that can appeal to people my age or and not worry and know that they're making something fucking cool enough where the Gundam heads will watch it, but they'll gain more viewers for this one series, and a couple of those people might buy model kits, but that's no longer the point. Whereas Zoids in New Century, in um, Chaotic Century, because that was like the first, I'm from what I understand, that was the first Zoids show, and in New, and in New Century Zero, seem way less concerned about, hey, go buy this cool toy kiss, than, um, what's it called, than Wild Blast is concerned with, like, hey, hey, see this? You can have this. This is cool as hell. You, you, you can go to the toy store right now and buy this. And when I say that, I... I can automatically see the 1990s toy commercial that plays in the first ad slot when you're watching Zoy's Wild Blast. I can absolutely see it. I can see the tiny version, the tiny tiny badly cast-off version of the character. I can see the Zoid with all the accessories. I can see the nightmare. I can see it on, like, the like, slightly blank blue to dark blue gradient background. I can hear the voice. I can see the logo badly fading in up top. It's just, and the price in the bottom fucking right-hand corner. I can see it. And I think a good show, I think a a, a good handling of a property when you're trying to age it back is to not is to not make anybody who might be older than your target demographic feel like oh I'm old this is this did not keep up with me <laughs> and I just it just the, that thought in my head kind of fascinated me so I wanted to do a Sunday edition about about it. On that note, if you like this show, you can subscribe to me in whatever you can subscribe to this podcast and whatever you're using to listen to me right now. If you like this episode, more episodes, more Sunday editions come out every Sunday, whereas every Thursday I do a um episode on a series or like an anime like an anime or sometimes manga, or in the case of the last episode, a book, um, God forbid, <laughs> that I have seen and I've seen a lot. And that's a more traditional, like, review talking about that specific show. This was odd because I, I linked this to a specific property, but we jumped all over the anime world from, like, Pokemon to Zoids to Gundam to any of the other shows I talked about. Um, and that show is, the Thursday show is much more 
single series focus than the Sunday edition, which is more industry stuff, more like this show has been about, more focused on things, the things around anime and not just the specific property. Um, but on that note, I have been Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday edition, and I will talk to you on Thursday.